What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. So glad you joined us today. This is show number 179, and... 179? Yeah, and I don't know. That number doesn't mean much, but... Must mean something. It means 180 is coming next. There you go. Um, And so we're glad that you joined us. I'm Tracy. I'm Leslie. And... um, we get together on a regular basis just to say, what does it mean? <laughs> just to, say to remind yes. ourselves. To say yes to spirit. So um, we're going to make a decision about what our theme is today. Um, technically, <coughs> it should be fear. fear. I was going to say fear. Because no. we didn't do it last week. Yes. Do we want to do fear or do we want to do something else? There you go. And then she pauses. You know, I had thought it was fear. Okay, then we're going to do fear. <laughs> I was thinking fear. Fear. We're going to do fear because Leslie has thought it. About it. All right. Well, I've been in fear, so does that count in terms of thinking about it? Well, that's, if that's a reason to have a show, then you, know, you could have a lot of shows. Um, so, yeah, so our theme this week is fear, and... Um, Every week we have a theme pretty much just to get us started because who knows where the conversation will actually go. Right. And uh, before we ever get into our theme for the current week, we look at our most recent theme and we ask the question, what is the the, um, connection Connection. between (laughs) our previous theme and oh. our current theme, and our previous theme was age. Ah, that is just too easy, isn't it? Age and fear. Don't we have a fear as a society of growing old? I was with someone this morning. Oh, I was like, <laughs> like this is so obvious, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Is it? You don't embrace I didn't that go fear. There, right? so that's it. But uh, I was with a person this morning, and she was showing a picture of herself. And I said, oh, you look so young. And her, she had a huge fear of aging. And uh, she said, really? That was just last year. Do you see? I've just turned into this old hag. I mean, you just just opened up this whole thing because, and she really did look way younger than a year time frame. And it's interesting that, you know, there is a certain amount of um, effect how our emotional and spiritual and physical unrest takes on our aging process. Yes, it does. And if we combine that with a fear of aging, um, boy, that can just be a a trifecta of all sorts of things. But um, so fear, I think, manifests all sorts of fearful things, the thing we are fearful of. But we'll talk about that more. But it's a really easy connected dot because so many people fear aging. I don't. As we learned two weeks ago, I'm, I'm 33. Forever and ever, amen. But I do have a sense that other people fear aging. I read about it in books. Okay, you should cue the music. 
Okay, so that's our connected dots for this week, and we're, we'll take a quick break and uh, give you time to grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or just mm. take a stretch. We'll be back in a little over one minute and say yes to spirit. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit. This is Tracy. Am I supposed to say this is Leslie again? You are. Man, okay. This is Leslie. And <laughs> we're so glad you joined us. Our theme today is fear. We oh. have no fear in this very moment. <laughs> you may not have any fear. In this very moment. In this very moment? How do you know I'm not experiencing fear in this very moment? <laughs> in this very moment. Because we're I talking can... about something you want to talk about. <laughs> but I still might be experiencing fear. In this moment? You can't experience fear and joy in the same moment. Uh, and you and you perceive that I'm experiencing joy? <laughs> Stop texting and pay attention. No, I'm just saying that you don't think I might be... I'm trying to think, can you really experience fear? You know you can't no. probably. No, but you can choose to move no. the fear oh. in any moment. Well, you know, here's an interesting ponder. Okay, your overall emotional state can be grounded in fear, but in this moment you're not thinking about it. Is that what you're going to? No, but say? that's an excellent guess. I like that idea. That um, that I can. That I, that I have, such a deep understanding of of what I understand to be true. A deep yes. belief, a deep knowing of what I believe to be true. Yeah. That um, I can experience something and be detached from the experience of it. So I think that would play to the idea that I could be, on a very core level, be joyful because I'm connected to the truth of who I am and be on a different level, on a more external level, experiencing fear or anxiety or... And now I will say, in the last few days, I have been in it, in it, and I know the difference between in fear. Yes, yes, panic, anxiety. Oh no wonder we're talking about it today. Because <laughs> it is all about me. 
at the yeah, end of the day. absolutely, every week. Oh, that's so wrong. No, I'm just affirming oh, for you. Oh, oh. You yes, said it's never all about a, me, and I am affirming you. Oh, right. you. Mm. Not judging you, thank affirming you, you thank because you, that's you. what you said. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Trace. Appreciate that. I don't agree you. with it, but I'll affirm you if that's what oh, you Oh, now what believe. is the difference between affirming and agreeing? Oh, I can affirm that this is what you believe. And I can affirm that this is what is your truth when you don't believe it or when you do believe it. But I'm affirming what you are saying. That doesn't mean you're agreeing with it? I'm just curious. I always use the word, I guess, interchangeably. If I'm affirming, I'm agreeing. No, not so much for you. Well, I guess it could be. It is for you. It's not for me always. (laughs) So, uh, fear... What is yes. the acronym for fear? Oh. What? Such a... It's so cliche. And if you've never heard it before, it's not cliche. Okay, so the most popular one yes. is false evidence appearing real. Right. That's used in recovery and new thought and right. blah, blah, every motivational speaker in the planet. <sighs> so not. But, Trace, think about it. If you really ponder that thing that just makes you exasperated, apparently, if you really ponder it, it is... I didn't is, say it was wrong. It is I just everything. I it's a cliche, and I'm tired of hearing it. <laughs> There's a newer one that is escaping oh. my memory right now because false evidence appearing real is so grounded in the culture and in my memory. Um, it's a newer one, and maybe one of our listeners will... Um, call in or put it on the chat, um, or maybe I'll think of it once I stop trying to think of it. Um, and I like it better, but partly I just like it better because false evidence appearing real. Just, you know, how you have that song or that saying that if you hear it one more time, you just want to, like, puke because it's so old. But so profoundly true. Can we just reflect on that as well? Okay. It's false so profoundly evidence. True. False evidence appearing real. Appearing and real. And what do you want to say about that? Is there you go. There you go. There you go. Because that's what fear is. When I'm in fear, I'm clearly not remembering the truth of who I am. I'm clearly not in um, awareness or in... Um, in my awakened state of being in the flow. And what I've noticed the last few days is um, connecting with someone who is aware of the truth is connected to the flow, that my fear, my anxiety, my emotional upheaval in that I became really desperate to connect with that that energy or that life force of that person who has that going. And in a way, that fed me and kind of kept me going at a level that kept the fear from, you know, my fear in the past has gotten pretty dramatic, self-abuse, self-suicidal kind of thoughts and things of that nature. And so, you know, having that, sort of, um, oh, I don't know, connection, outreach, being able to have a touchstone 
uh, was incredibly powerful and in sort of um, sort of like a, a flotation device. Me. Flotation. I like that. <laughs> they were my flotation device in terms of staying above water in that time of, of, of false evidence appearing real in my human experience. And, you know, it's so interesting when I do counseling, sometimes I'll say things to people, well, like, that's the human experience. You're having a human experience. When, when I work with the women in the jail, well, that's the human and I'll separate the two from, you know, the spiritual essence of who we are versus the human experience. And it always, when I say it, I get a sense that it comes across as, as discounting. And I know that when I'm experiencing a human experience, do not discount my human experience. <laughs> do not trivialize the the significance of the feeling of this thing that I am experiencing, you know, because it seems like all there is. And I guess that's the the real opportunity in you know how how that kind of um, tension between being my spiritual truth and you know experiencing the human experience you know how much on which side of that am what percentages I am is how offensive that is if I'm really yeah, in my human yeah because I use that too a lot. Uh, Usually not, and so it really does, you know, make me think about like the intent and how is it perceived, regardless of what the intent is of saying it. But yeah, I use that a lot. That of course, of course, this is happening. You know, you're human and you're having a human experience, and um, and I, if I think about that, I guess what I say a lot when I use that is. So don't beat yourself up about it like, you know, every human emotion or every human feeling or, of course, this can happen. Um, it's like get out of non-resistance because so often what happens is we are trying to pretend something didn't happen or, or turn our back on it, like ignore the fact that we are actually in that experience or that that just happened. You know, I, I don't want to tell people that I was talking with a client a few weeks ago who had filed for bankruptcy and was really, you know, taking on, had moved beyond some of the shame part of that that he originally had but was taking on a sense of, like, it's got to be a secret. You know, I, I'm afraid if people knew this about me, mm-hmm. they would see me differently. Mm-hmm. Even though he had gotten to the place where he had worked through his personal challenges around making that decision and then taking the action, he was still, like, going to hide it because mm-hmm. he felt afraid for how he would be perceived. And um, and it's like, well, you know, it's not that you necessarily want to put an ad in the newspaper or, you know, go stand in front of your coworkers and say, hi, my name is Tracy and I have filed for a bankruptcy. It, you know, it's not that. But this idea of being afraid of what people think because of it was kind of like I want to pretend it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. 
And if it were to come up in conversation or if someone were to ask, you know, is there anybody in the room who has ever gone through bankruptcy, like, you know, you might be actually able to give them some advice or to help them get through it if if you're willing to say, well, yeah, I have. And seeing that other side, I think our fear keeps us locked into one view. Right. And the story we've made up about that right. one view. Right. But if we can pretend that it's a circle, everything that happens is, is a circle, and I'm only seeing you know this R square, and I'm only seeing this plane of the square, and then I move over to the, and I'm looking at it from the east, and if I move to the north and look at it, I may see a different thing. Ooh. You like that, don't you? Well, I do like that. You're going to use that. that later and act like you're smart, aren't you? <laughs> and I, it is a divine idea uh-huh, that is uh-huh, coming through uh-huh, me, uh-huh. and I uh-huh. totally claim that. But the, um, no, the ooh was about, in the spiritual practices class I just completed, just mm-hmm. finished teaching, um, in the most recent class, the at the end of the class, students in this particular class are required to do a final project, but the final project is very specific, that you write your statement of being. What is it that you, of belief, sorry, your statement mm-hmm. of belief, what is it that you truly believe mm. about God, about mm. spirit, how it operates in general and how it operates in your life? Mm-hmm. And so you write this declaration of your spiritual belief. Nice. And um, one of the students in the class wrote hers, wrote, a, wrote hers as a little short story. Nice. And it was a, and part of it was about seeing the Rubik's cube ah, from different angles. Fantastic! I like that. That even if you have all the colors where each side is a different color, mm-hmm. you're only seeing that color. But if you were to turn the cube, then you would see a different color. But it's still the same Rubik's cube. Same thing. That's right. Right. I like her. So I'm sure that's what brought that up in my mind, just kind of subconsciously making that connection. Um, And, of course, if you take the Rubik's Cube and it's all mixed up and all the colors are mixed up, then you also see a different view. Then you're crazy. No, I'm sorry. Then you also are seeing a different view of how all of life works together. Ah, oh, then you're spiritually transformed. See one of the two. It's either or, right? So it's, you know, and that no view is wrong. It's just the view you're accustomed to. Mm-hmm. So, cool. Um, so what is the purpose of fear? I mean, fear has to serve some purpose. It's not bad it's innately. Yes, it is. Not innately. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> what purpose does it serve? Mm. Mm. Do you have the answer to your own question, or were you waiting for me to prophesy? That's not really what it would be. I'm usually like predicting the future. Preach. That's what I'm going to say. Preach. Does fear serve a purpose? Perhaps. Does fear serve a purpose? 
you know, my my my, uh, my declaration of my belief would be that all things that happen to me that are quote unquote human or unpleasant quote unquote or difficult are really kind of pushing me towards the next highest good. And the idea is to stay in the next highest good all the time. And my friend Oprah will say, you know, we can learn from the joy. Is uh, but uh, so I guess the idea would be, and certainly. Um, my experience of this year, these last few days, seems to be sort of a sort of a, a, a grieving or a healing of sorts in terms of letting go of some things. And so maybe if fear is, Tracy just gave me the strangest look. See, this is why I want cameras in here, so people will be like, "See, what was that look?" I caught my attention. I had to give. I had to stop writing and give you my full attention. <laughs> which, which part got your attention? That that I was. Uh, I don't remember now, but what I remember was made me stop grieving and say healing. I need to listen completely. Oh, you need to really be yeah, not multitask. <laughs> which is the reason we don't need cameras in here. Because then you couldn't text and I couldn't write oh. notes about. What you said? Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so continue, please. So the <laughs> so, uh, so the emotion of my week, um, feeling scared. I was had a sense of being scared, which is a child's word for fear, right? And and having some sort of intuition or knowing that I was healing or grieving, and the idea that. Um, there's a certain amount of fear that comes with having emotion. And I know um, many times uh, as a trauma survivor and working with trauma survivors, the idea of this this well of uh, emotion that will take over and I'll never stop crying. If I start crying, if I let myself, you know, feel, it'll just, I'll be in the Looney Tunes, you know, they'll take me away. And... Um, and I've experienced that for the last few days, just kind of this welling of emotion that just can't be stopped. And, you know, it, it takes, you know, moments. But but it is in the moment I found myself fearful of, of fully feeling it, but it was so large I could not feel it. And so, but there was an incredible healing to that and allowing that to to take its natural course instead of resisting it or trying to, or, or allowing the fear, allowing the fear of the feeling to block the feeling, right? Because the feeling itself is what becomes, you know, it's like blood out of a wound or something. That is such an interesting. I mean, you, know, you have to let it out to get the healing. And um, so, if I allow fear to stop that, then I'm only kind of delaying that. You can, you know, mm-hmm. pay me today or you can pay me tomorrow. So, um, so having experienced the feeling and and having the, you know, the the flotation device of a, of a good friend to, 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 to feel like I could go through it and, and stay alive. So all that happening has now given me a sense of, you know, a, 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 a deeper sense of calm or a sense of relief today that has to be from the feeling of it because nothing really else happened other than, and I really still don't even understand all of the ins and outs of why it happened, but, you know, I, I allowed it to happen. And so the the relief of that is nice. Yeah, and I agree with with you that 
the being scared or the feeling of it, the you know being afraid of whatever it is, is not the thing itself, but the you know I'm afraid of going through this is not the same as going through it. Right. And so if I am afraid of it and I block it happening, but it is something that needs to happen to escalate me to my next highest good, Right. then okay, I'm just defeating my own purpose, which right. is why fear so often does hold us back from growth. And you meet people who 10 years, you, you know, you haven't seen in 10 years, and they are still expressing the exact same list of challenges or problems because they never really dealt with them. They were afraid of them and they blocked them or pushed them away, which in effect just kept them where they were, continuing to attract Mm -hmm. the exact same energy, even if it's in a different partner or a different job or a different neighborhood. It's like the same thing keeps showing up. Um, I I would venture to say that fear serves a purpose as a warning system. If you're in the woods and there's a bear? Yeah, or, yeah, fear serves, does have a purpose. Mm -hmm. It serves as a warning system. Mm -hmm. It serves as a yellow light, not a red light. Mm. If we think of traffic signals. Right. It, It is there, it exists to say be cautious about how you proceed. Mm-hmm. But much, much of the time we interpret our fear as the red light saying mm-hmm. stop here until the light turns green. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that ever was or is the purpose of fear. Fear is be alert, pay attention, make an intentional choice. So if you if you use it as that, then you probably never get to that red light status. No, I think there could be times where you choose you are cautious, and then you say this is not for me, and you stop, and, and yeah. you stop, and there won't be a green light because it's like no, this is a red light condition. So if I'm afraid of, um, A good example is just not coming to me immediately for some reason. But if I'm afraid and then I check out what's going on and I, um, this is an old, old, old example, but it's the one that that popped up right now. Mm. So when I was much, much younger. Much, much younger. Yeah. And I was. Um, around a group of people who were drinking and smoking and, you know, my... Smoking funny cigarettes, Tracy? uh, Smoking cigarettes and not cigarettes. Yeah. Um, I had a fear, and a part of my fear was because I was underage for drinking. Ah, mm -hmm. Because I was in college, but... I want to say the age for drinking was 21 when I first went to college. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was out of college before I was 21. And, um, and, And then smoking 
marijuana was, of course, illegal regardless of age. Mm-hmm. And so there was a part of me that experienced fear, and part of it was legal. You're breaking a law. Right. Part of it was my own health. This was These are things that are not good for my health. Right. Part of it was fear about what will people think. I want to, you know, fit in to a certain degree even though I don't want to be bullied by peer pressure. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like a one-time thing. It, this was like a recurring, you're in college, it's a recurring, you know, you know people, they're always saying, mm-hmm. come go with us or you go to a party and that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so there was fear but it was a caution for me. Now, once I decided I am going to do this or I'm not going to do that, mm-hmm. then that's like coming to a red light. That is not for me. I don't cross that street. And I, it's not because I'm afraid. It's because my fear made me consider and make a choice, and it's my choice. You know, it's interesting you use the word fear in terms of, like, knowing that there was something that could potentially be dangerous for you. And I um, I always kind of, because I, I guess I think in, you know, I'm in my very black and white world, spirit, no spirit, um, that, that there's no real place for fear, that fear doesn't exist. In the truth of who I am, there is no fear. I would have, there is nothing to fear. There is no reason to fear. And then I think, well, you know, what if, you know, you're going down your dark alley and, you know, that example that people like to use in terms of saying, oh, there's healthy fear, you know. And that just clicked with me that I don't perceive that as fear. I perceive feeling, oh, that is not the path to go down or don't go down that street and then hearing that there was a wreck on that street or, you know, doing this and then learning later that there was something that could have caused me physical or emotional harm. I don't perceive that that knowing is fear. I perceive that knowing is intuition or listening to the divine, listening to the small voice. And so that's not my fear keeping me from going down that street. That's my being in alignment with the truth of who I am because if I'm in alignment, if I'm fully awake, then I'm going to intuitively know, do this, don't do this. You know, I'm going to be in that flow that's completely protected and completely you know, in perfection and there's not going to come harm to me. I agree with that. I, I, but I, I, it's just my own in, um, inner aha, because I guess I heard, you know, interpreted fear as that feeling that I shouldn't go down that street. And I'm thinking, well, I don't think that's fear, but I never understood yeah, what I, I thought I, it was. Actually, I agree with you. I think that's being in alignment with your intuition. I think fear is, actually, fear is stronger and usually has a louder voice than intuition. Intuition's a knowing. It's a yeah. Um, and it it can be about physical situations, but often our fear is our human fear is about our interactions with people. It can be situational, though. I mean, if I don't have enough money and I haven't paid my mortgage and I haven't and I'm afraid <coughs> my electricity is going to be turned off and I'm going to lose my house and I don't know where the money's coming from. That's fear. That's not intuition. It's fear of losing the house. It's fear of not having electricity and, you know, and, and the chain of events related to that. Well, that could be, that's just the facts. 
And I could react to that in fear, or I could react to that in action, or I could react, react to, to that, that in faith. going to bed. That's really what I would do. <laughs> laying, no, laying on the couch and eating, eating pie. pie. So, That's right. But, I mean, you're right. The, the, well, it's, it's the evidence. It's the facts are just the facts. But if I'm, if I'm afraid, like I'm thinking of people who I've, you know, done coaching with, right, who are terrified and in fear. And, yes, my question to them is, okay, what are you really afraid of? Okay, I'm going to lose my house. Okay, and if that happens, what are you really afraid of? What are you really afraid of? You know, keep going layer to layer to layer to layer mm-hmm. to see what the what's really generating the fear. Because like you said, if the fact is you lost your job eight months ago and you haven't paid your mortgage in the last four months and you you have received a foreclosure notice, those are just, that's data. Mm-hmm. And it is just a listing of this is what has happened, this is what is happening now, your re- emotional reaction to it is fear. Can be. Um, for this person. For this person, I mean, right. Okay. Your emotional right. reaction to it is fear. So we really need to see what is the fear of because these are just things that have happened. And, of course, then we're in new thought spiritual circles, and so then you have to also get through all of the stuff of, I caused this because I said I didn't like working there and now I don't have any money or, you know, we had to get through the new thought guilt format to get underneath all of that to say, okay, you get to choose. What are you going to do now? What, what, where are you going to go now? But the fear then still is just serving as a warning system that there's something here that you need to pay attention to. And what you said, Leslie, that there's something here that is happening that's going to take you to your next highest highest good. good. That that should be the idea. Well, there's something here that's taking you to your next highest good, but you're, you're stuck in... Fear. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out what the fear is about, so that you can choose. And yeah, that means it's okay to experience the fear, or if the fear is keeping you from experiencing the feeling of this is total, you know, hypothetical with the example. So let's say I ask this person that question 18 times, and finally they get to, oh. I was a ban- I felt abandoned when I was a kid, and so I always thought I had to take care of myself, and I've believed that since I was like, you know, six years old, and now I can't take care of myself because I don't have a job. You know, and it's like, feel that. Right. Feel that. And like you said earlier, it, it is, um, and I just have to say, it kind of scares me when you say my name. You know, you said Leslie, and it's like, Wow, I, was, I don't know. But anyway, that was, yeah, I got scared. <laughs> he said, the fear is not the thing. And I think that's a really important thing to understand because I think the fear, the ego, if we want yes. to, the, fear, the ego tells me that the fear is the thing yes. to keep me from experiencing the, the thing pain. so that I can be free of the thing because the ego is, of course, very invested in me staying chain to the thing because the thing is what teaches me I can't be joyous, happy, and free. 
Yeah. And the thing is what the ego is familiar with, even if you don't like it. It it already knows how to compensate for it, how to get around it, how to deal with it. It thinks. It feeds it. It the thinks thing feeds that it knows. It feeds the ego. Yeah, and the ego thinks it knows how to deal with it because it's been dealing with it for such a long time. And what would happen if you eliminated that part or that element or re- responded to it differently? And the ego would be like, no, you don't want to do that. But I think that's a really interesting thing, that the fear is never the thing. Did you just open up the Bible to the place that you I opened, uh, no, no, no. I opened to a random, I picked up the book, <laughs> the Living the Science Bible. of Mind. No, no, it's, it's not the, the textbook. Oh, it's not the textbook. It's not the okay. textbook. Um, I picked it up because I was going to open, I was going to look at the table of contents and scan to see if there was anything about fear. Uh But as I picked up the book, the book opened to the chapter called Love Dissolves Fear. Wow. To understand that love overcomes both hate and fear is one of the chief requisites of a scientific mental practitioner. Mm. Love does mm. not overcome hate and fear by argument or force, but by some subtle power of That's transformation, it. transmutation, sublimation, invisible in its essence, but apparent through its act. I love this. Wow. Read it again slower. To understand that love overcomes both hate and fear is one of the chief requisites of a scientific mental practitioner. Love does not overcome hate and fear by argument or force. Love overcomes hate and fear by the subtle power of transformation, transmutation, sublimation. It's invisible in its essence, but apparent through its act. Love is invisible in its essence, but it's obvious when it's put into action. You know, um, that is, uh, you know, such a nice picture that love is not, there's no, there's nothing to do or be. It just is. What are you reading now? What are you doing? I'm just reading further down. Keep reading the page. There you go. You, you see him. Now I have to know what that is because it seems so exciting to you. In every series of treatments or prayer, the practitioner should bring out these points related to the patient or the person being prayed for, that his patient is dominated by love and appreciated in love by everyone who contacts him. Fear and hate cannot motivate him, cannot operate through him, cannot do anything to him, do not belong to him, and are not a part of him. Nothing enters his consciousness but a sense of peace. And the practitioner does not fight evil. He knows there is no evil. He knows there is no reversal of his thought. Blah, 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 blah. I love this. I'm going to be rereading, and it's one page. Page 331 in Living the Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes. Love dissolves fear. And did you notice it said fear and hate? Yeah. So connecting those two, that, um, you know, I do think there's a lot to be said 
people that have that express hate are really operating out of their own fear of Most something. of the time, yes. Yeah. We, well, in all the diversity think, yeah. and inclusion right. work that I do, it is so true. We have the story, group one has a story made up in their mind or in their culture about group two, and it really right. is not so much hating group two. It's afraid of what my life would be like if I was a member of that group <laughs> and I wouldn't like it. Uh. Well, right. Or what can not? Yeah, or what is that group? You know, there's a perceived something that if, if that group gets or has or, you know, is, then they'll take something right. from it's me. Right, it's a zero-sum game. That I, I, right, mm-hmm. I can't have it if they have it because they'll be taking it away from me. Um, and, yeah, it's crazy-making. So, yeah, hate and fear, I do believe, are, yeah, um, really thought about that, are very true. related. I don't think they're exactly the same, but they are very related. And the idea that love is this sort of invisible force and that it just transforms. And like you were saying, you know, fear and joy can't come into the same space. The idea that, you know, if I'm in that state of love, that... Um, that I don't, I can't be experiencing that fear. And I think that was my experience this week in terms of when I was connected to my flotation device, the other human that was expressing that pure love, I was able to have the safety to have the feeling and the the fear dissipated, you know, in in that moment of the other the other person holding that space of pure love yes kept and so i think that was part of my desperation to connect because when i was outside on the ocean alone without my flotation device you know i i was in that fear and it's interesting too if you think of that metaphor you know when you're you know quote unquote in the ocean and trying to you know, not panic, and the more we panic, the more we get in the fear, our actual, the fear will cause us to exert energy that we need to reserve, you know, and if I'm trying to fight and swim or dog paddle or something, I'm going to exhaust myself, and so the fear will actually then create the thing that I'm most nervous of, which would be drowning in that situation. (laughs) Yeah, that's very powerful visually, the idea of if you relax and flow, even right. though the waves of water come over you, the water is going to rise to the top. And if you're floating in it, you mm-hmm. can only go with it right. and until you reach calmer water. But you're right, the more you fight in fear. And another thing that, that, that uh, my flotation device reminded me of this week was that... Um, you know, when we speak what we're fearful of, when we say aloud, I'm scared of this, it takes away its power. That there's, you know, the the keeping it in feeds, it fuels it. But speaking it and going, wow, that's not, you know, and having the other person say, wow, that's not. So um, speaking out my fear and not feeling foolish or feeling ashamed or feeling like I have to keep a secret, like you're saying, with the guy with the bankruptcy, you know, keeping that secret fuels the fear. And so in many ways the ego, again, because, you know, that's the attachment to the human experience, you know, wants to feed that 
fear, so it'll feed the secrecy of it, feed the don't tell anybody I have those thoughts because, you know, then they'll know I'm crazy. Well, no, once you say them out loud, it takes away its power. 12-step programs have that fabulous saying that probably is so tired and true that it'll make you sigh again. But, you know, that <laughs> we're as sick as our secrets, which is a very tried and true kind of thing, but it's very powerfully true. I don't rebel against all <laughs> things that are tried and true. Just the acronym for but fear. For whatever reason, that fear, right, does that, triggers uh-huh. me. But, no, we're just as sick as our secrets. I love it. <laughs> that one. That one is okay. <laughs> and our yeah. secrets, you know, kind of keep us in that state of isolation and that state of thinking we're the only ones I working with the women in the jail, it's so interesting to hear when when one woman in a group of 20 will open up and tell her story of being raped or tell her story of her mother, you know, using drugs and abandoning her or tell the story of domestic violence or whatever the story is, hearing as other women are giving her feedback. Always, always, there's one woman that'll say, "I thought I was the only one." And and it just doesn't that just bring yeah. you back to? Um, I know each one of us is unique. <laughs> I know that, but not. And <laughs> we always there are always other people who have shared some of the experiences we've had. It's just that they haven't shared every experience mm-hmm. we've had in the, in the way we've had it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's so easy to think that we are, you know, we're the only one that's ever happened to. I'm the only one who's ever had to go through that. I am the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one who hates myself. I'm the only one who has, I mean, it works on both ends of the spectrum. I'm the only one who has spiritual enlightenment at this level. Well, that's not true for me. You don't do that. Yes, yes. Terminal uniqueness, they call that in 12-step programs, too. How come 12-step programs have all these little fun little wisdom things? I like that about 12-step programs. They just drill it down to a bumper sticker. I do love bumper stickers. And if I'm, you know, kind of living from the ego, which is easing God out. There you go. That's another simple one. But, um, yeah, I don't like that one. You know, I knew you wouldn't. So that's really just the reason I said it. Um, the idea of am I feeding my fear or am I feeding my connection to love? And, you know, my connection again? To, to, to become aware, am I feeding my fear or am I feeding my connection to love? You know, I can look at my behavior and I can I can use that as a mirror to see what am I feeding. If I'm staying in my anxiety, if I'm staying isolated, if I'm role-playing all the horrible things that could possibly happen, if I'm, um, you know, allowing my anxiety to cause me to, you know, overeat or over do or something, something, something in the physical state, then, you know, I'm feeding that fear. If I'm feeding the truth, if I, you know, that would be, you know, breathing, reaching out to my flotation device. Yes. Silencing my mind, saying my mantra, you know, I can see, I can, I can, if I can 
at least allow myself to have a mirror to see what am I doing, I'm going to clearly get the information that I'm either feeding my fear or feeding the love. Yeah, and what are the faults? I'll just take that back. I was going to say, what <laughs> is it? Well, it's interesting to notice what our typical default is: feeding the fear or feeding the love. And I think humanity in general, in the 21st century, tends to feed the fear mm-hmm. more so than feeding the love or feeding the spiritual truth. Um, although I'd like to believe there is a wave. You know, there is a sea change happening, um, always moving toward greater and greater love, greater and greater spiritual truth. But if we just took a snapshot of our society, especially Western society, um, it's much more grounded in fear than love. And I would imagine, you know, like ego maintains control through fear, as a society, you know, people that have a desire to control other people would use fear as a mechanism to maintain control. Um, What is that song? You know, freedom is another word when there's nothing left to fear. Is that a song? I've never heard that before. What is it? It's a famous Beatles song? It's a famous song. It's a famous Freedom I've, is another word. You have nothing left song. to lose. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Is lose a four-letter word like fear? Nothing left to lose, I think. But the idea of, you know, the fear... It's fear, another word for nothing left to lose. To lose, yes. Very good. No. Nothing left to fear. I like the idea, though, that freedom is another word for when there's nothing left to fear. I think I'm going to use that as my own little new song. And the idea that fear really does, it it breeds, um, it takes me in the opposite direction of saying yes to spirit. Fear is like the, like the opposite on a spectrum. If I'm in fear, I'm not saying yes to spirit. Spirit would, spirit would, spirit would not take me into that place. Ooh, that made spirit sound like it would take me somewhere else. But my divine design, the the flow within, the natural divine design, is so, not fear. So what? Totally off subject. You go, Tracy. So freedom, just another word for nothing left to lose. Mm-hmm. From the song made famous by Janis Joplin, but originally recorded by Roger Miller. And it was written by Chris Christopherson and Fred Foster. <laughs> well, there you go. But isn't that a music history day? Right. But Chris Christopherson, uh-huh. I don't know who Fred Foster is, but somebody listening might. But Chris Christopherson, you know, is one music image. Janis Joplin has a very different musical image. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And Roger Miller has a completely different third image and that all three of them in the song it's a line from the song me and bobby mcgee ah um yeah so interesting why was i thinking it was like john lennon or something see how off i am and it is janice joplin john lennon <laughs> different. 
Um, and it is interesting how truth spoken through music becomes sort of um, a way into truth that makes that makes the connection easier. I think yeah. a lot of music holds a lot of deep spiritual wisdom, and somehow the music makes it gives us a connection more easily to it than if we you know just hear it in a sermon or hear it read it in a book music can open that door in a much uh, warm and fuzzy way. Less resistance sometimes. Yeah, less resistance because it could be really powerful and not warm and fuzzy. It would just like, boom, it's in your face and you just take it in and you don't have any resistance to it. It's like, oh, yeah. And John Lennon quoted that line a lot. That's why you're thinking John Lennon. See, I feel better now. <laughs> I'm hipper than I look. Thank you, Madam Google. <laughs> Fantastic. We love Google. But, but Google can't uh, tell you what the new FEAR acronym is? Oh, it probably can. I oh. didn't think to look. That's it. They certainly, somebody has written a book about it or something. Well, it's, it's actually, yes. <clears throat> it's, let's see. La, 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 la. Forget everything and run. Is that it? I hadn't heard that. Forget everything and run. That's funny. And uh, Forget everything and run. Yeah, that that's what happens. We run away from it, whatever yeah. it is. Uh-huh. Um, forgetting everything's all right. Forgetting everything's all right. But forget everything and run is the one that I've, I've heard more, you know, over the uh-huh. last uh-huh. six or seven years a lot. And you know what I like about all of those is that the word forgetting. And I think it's so interesting to think about the concept of just because I'm forgetting something doesn't mean it's not still present. Exactly. And it's really powerful. Because if I'm not experiencing it or aware of it, then the level of the depth to what that's happening, it truly appears like spirit or the good is gone. Mm-hmm. And that is just never, ever, 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 ever the case. Ever. Ever. Never. Ever. I mean, I'm so certain of that. The truth <laughs> is always present, even when we have our back turned toward it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if I... Uh, if I'm staying in saying yes to spirit, if I'm constantly kind of pushing my mind and my practice and my activity, then I would most likely be less likely to fall into. I love that together. I most likely would be less likely. Most likely. (laughs) Less likely. I would be most likely less likely to (laughs) do the wrong thing. There you go. Sort of interesting sentence. I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. And if I and if I get tripped up by fear, which I guess you know, I'm thinking, what has happened to me in the last few days? Certainly was it was like a you know sort of a I didn't I didn't catch the warning signs. I'm certain they were there, but I certainly didn't catch them. Um, but 
you know, how quickly to get out of that then becomes the idea, you know, mm-hmm. how long I... And the mark of spiritual maturity, I believe, is not that we walk through walls all the time. Well, definitely not that. <sighs> the the mark of spiritual maturity is recognition and action. Mm. Recognizing, oops, I am in the middle of this experience that is not representing the spiritual truth and how quickly do I move through it, not run away from it. So what do I do in my spiritual practice? Who do I reach out to? So if you can say, you know, three days ago this is where I was and now I'm past it because of my flotation device. Yeah, so like, I I'm, like that term. I'm picturing water, but what was it that she was using? Because you reached out to and accepted yes. a, the partnership, you know, or the support of a flotation device, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, you maybe at you or anyone at a different time in life, one would either be in denial or in rebellion around it or... You know, you could spend, instead of three days, you could spend three years fighting it or being a victim of it. It's the spiritual maturity Mm -hmm. that allows you, allows any of us, I believe, to move through Mm -hmm. the crazies, you know, the craziness (laughs) of the human experience. What feels like, and it is crazy when you know the spiritual truth and you are experiencing something different. You're out of your mind, right? <laughs> Literally, yes. Right, you're out of your capital M mind. Yes. And, the, and just like you are away from your capital M mind, then what's your journey back into mindfulness? Mm-hmm. And that's, having a practitioner, having a friend doing meditation. And much of the time we can do it ourselves if we have strong spiritual practice. But there are plenty of times where, no, I cannot walk myself or talk myself out of my craziness. Mm -hmm. I need the practitioner. I need the minister. I need to go on a 10-day meditation treat. I need, you know, it's like depending on what it is, what do I need? And, you know, to, to be able to um, open myself up to receive that, you said that was a, that's an interesting part, too. Right, because all kinds of people can be reaching right, out. And, right. and there are dozens of people who come and ask for prayer after Sunday service, you know, or put in a prayer request week after week after week. And that's a step, but the next step is letting somebody or taking the action that you need to take in addition to writing the prayer request, like in your own spiritual practice. And if you don't do that, then you stay wherever you are, asking but not receiving. (laughs) And then getting kind of angry and irritable because I keep asking, and and I'm not getting. Those darn people, they're wrong. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother show. (laughs) And that's all the time we have today to talk about fear, which we could probably talk about for another hour without any problem. (laughs) Um, So please join us again. Continue to think about what fear means to you and how you respond when you are in fear. Until we meet again, say yes Yes to to spirit.